discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. All right. The vocabulary of salvation. The vocabulary of salvation. Today we are teaching on imputation. Imputation. Have you seen this word in the Bible before? Imputation. It doesn't mean inputting data. It means something else. Imputation. 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 The Greek word is logizomai. The Greek word is logizomai. Okay, L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Why are we teaching these things? We are teaching these things to be able to understand the word of God some more. When you are reading it, you have a clear understanding of what's going on. You can understand your salvation properly. What has happened, what Christ has done. So that you don't go uh, along in an ignorant, uh, as an ignorant person. Okay? Logizomai, imputation. It's scattered all over in the scriptures. Plenty places. And it means to balance the books. To balance the books. The books. Books. To balance your books. To balance the books. Or to keep records. To balance the books or to keep records. To balance the books. Or keep records. So it's an accounting term or a banking term. <laughs> it's an accounting term or a banking term in the scriptures. Yeah. If you go to uh, the bank and you give them 500 Ghana cities to, to put it into your account, do you expect the teller to reduce it and put 350 Ghana cities into the account? What will you do if you saw 350 cities in the account? Again, what will, what will you do? You fight with the person. She says you fight. Crazy, what will you do? You'll be angry. How angry? Very angry. Yeah. If you give 500, you're expecting 500 to be credited to your account. Isn't it? Yeah. The teller should not do miracle money. That the 500 that you brought, is, it's his miracle money. No. Okay, so... It means to keep records or to balance your account, to credit an account or to debit an account. Do you understand? Okay. It's as simple as that. Logic of mine. Okay? It also means uh, adding something good or bad into your account. Adding something good or bad into your account. Adding something good or bad into your account. Now, if you read the Bible, you see, if you see words like accounted, reckon, accredits, or accredited, or credited, if you see all those words, it's the same um, Greek word that they use, imputation. Normally, if you see that in the Bible, if you read a, a place like uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 11, look at Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed. So the word reckon is what? Logizomai. And it means to account, to credit to your account. Are you saying it? To balance your records, to keep records, to balance your books, your spiritual books. I hope you understand. Uh-huh. So let's read Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, the whole of Romans chapter 4 has that, has that particular word, imputation, more than any other place in the Bible. Imputation, credit, account, reckon, plenty in Romans chapter 4. Okay, from verse 3 is good. It says, For what seeth the scripture? 
source here the scripture. Abraham believed God, and it was counted. So the word counted is logizomai. It was counted unto him for righteousness. Have you seen it? Abraham believed God, and it was counted. The word counted is logizomai. It means to balance books. His books were balanced. His spiritual books were balanced for righteousness. I'll explain it to you some more. I just want you to see the word. Next verse, verse 4. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace. The word reckoned is imputation. Lord Jesus mine. Of grace, but of debt. Next verse, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly. His faith is counted. The word counted is Lord Jesus mine. Lord Jesus mine again for righteousness. Verse, verse 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth. So imputeth there is imputed. Imputation. Imputed righteousness without works. Okay? Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I see how many times it's there. So I'm going to explain the whole of uh, Romans chapter 4 to you today before we close. Next verse. But I'll go through some other routes and then I'll come to it. Come at this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned. The word reckoned is logizomai. was imputed unto Abraham for righteousness. If you go down, you see plenty. Reckoned, accounted, credited, imputed, counted. Like that. Plenty like that. Okay? So what does it mean? I've showed you what it means. What's the meaning of reckon or imputation or whatever? What does it mean? To credit your account, to balance the books, to keep records, to count, to account, to add something good or bad to your account. Have you seen it? So it's an accounting. If you, if you know accounting, you should know what I'm talking about. To balance your books, to credit. You know, I, I work in a bank for some time and if you're a teller, you don't, you don't leave until your books are balanced for the day. And if you are checking the credits and the debits and you realize that Debits are what has been taken away. Credits is what has been added to your account. You realize that 500 Ghana cities is missing. You, the teller, must balance the books on your own. However you balance it is your business. Balance it before you leave. You can't say, I'm going home and coming back. No. You have to give that 500 Ghana cities, find it from somewhere, and put it in the account, and close the account before you, you leave. Yes. So those of you who go to bank, and the teller counts money for you, you, you wanted to take 1,000 cities and they ended up counting 1,500 cities for you. And you come out of the bank and you say, it's miracle money. You are actually, you've actually, because I, there was a lady who lost 2,500 Ghana cities. Yeah, she, she overcounted for different people. Yeah. 2,500. I'm sure everybody was crying, miracle money, God has done, please return the money. Hallelujah. <laughs> And you should feel bad if you ever did that. Confess your sins. So there are three major kinds of imputation in the Bible. Three major kinds of imputation. Okay, three major kinds. If you want to understand imputation as the word of God explains it, we need to understand these three major kinds of imputation. Okay. The first one, number one, is the imputation of Adam's sin. The imputation of Adam's sin upon the human race. The imputation of Adam's sin upon the human race. Hallelujah. The imputation of Adam's sin. That's the first kind of imputation in the Bible. The imputation of Adam's sin onto or upon the human race. Upon the human race. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. There's a very big difference between creation and birth, or creation and making. Nobody says, I'm going to create a baby. We all say we are going to make babies. Isn't it? Yeah, we make babies, but we don't create babies. Creation is once. Man was created once. The day Adam was created, okay, go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let me explain it very well to you. Let's, let's go through. Hallelujah. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the castle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So he said, let us make, right? That was the first thing. Let us make. But in making, the first thing he did was to create. So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Have you seen it? He created male and female at once. But the first of them to be made was the male. That is Adam. So Adam was the federal head of that particular creation called man. And all of us were seminally in Adam. We were in Adam's loins. Every one of us. That is why God has not had to create another human being. Since Adam, all that has happened is birth. People have been given birth. God stopped creating man or finished creating man the day he created Adam. Because Adam is us and you are Adam. All of humanity was in Adam. That is why all of humanity has come out of Adam. Please, you understand? It's called the seed principle. Okay? So, everybody was in Adam. That's why when Eve was supposed to come, God did not bring Eve, God did not create Eve separately. He took Eve out of Adam. I see it. Uh-huh. So, all of us were in Adam the day he partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of us. Everybody was there. All of humanity was there. If someone, some people say, if I meet Adam, I will ask him a lot of questions. How can he mess up our lives like that? Sister, you were there. And if you were the one there, physically speaking, you would have eaten not only the fruit, you would have eaten the tree, the roots, and the earth around it. You would have eaten everything. You would have used it for stew. <laughs> so all of us were inside. That is why Adam's sin, even though it was Adam who was physically there and partook of the tree, his wrong, his sin, is accounted to our, our account. It is put to our account. It is imputed to us. Are you seeing it? Adam is called the first man. There are two kinds of men that God has created. The first creation of man is Adam. The first creation of man is Adam. So, we have, I'll explain it to you as we go on. We have the first man, and then we have the second man. This is a a creation on its own, and this is also a creation on its own. The head of this creation, or the first of this creation, is called Adam. He's also called the first Adam, because there's someone called the last Adam. He's called Adam or the first Adam. Okay? And this creation is what we, are, we read here. So, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Who is that one man? Adam. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Who did the sinning? Was it not Adam? How come all have sinned? Because all of us were in Adam. And therefore, what Adam did physically, what he alone was standing there and did, is imputed or accounted to our, our account. It's a bad thing that was put to our account. Go down, go to verse 13. For unto the law, sin is not in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Next verse. Sin is not accounted when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude, or after the manner of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? He was the head. He was the type of him that was to come. That is Christ. So he says, even though we are not, we didn't, we weren't physically there when Adam partook of it, but it is accounted to us. That is why Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. All. Why? Because our federal head did wrong. And his wrong is accounted as our wrong. You can say it is not fair. How many of you think it's not fair? But it's fair. Would you say you don't like the money when they bring it to your account? You say you like it, isn't it? Uh-huh. So if something bad to us come, it is also yours. So you are owing. All of creation was owing God. By virtue of the first man, Adam, and what he did. Please, you understand? Let me show you some more scriptures. Uh, let's jump, go to verse 18. Jump to verse 18 and verse 19. What Adam did is what everyone did. We were all seminal in Adam because we were all created at once, born, but born at different times. Okay? So therefore, as by the offense of one, who is that one? 
Adam's offense, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Everybody was condemned. Even so that by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. I'll explain all these things. Next verse, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's what I want you to say. As by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. If you agree with the first one, how many of you agree with the first one? That because of Adam's sin, everybody is made a sinner. Then you should understand the second type of imputation. And the third type of imputation, which I'm going to share with you. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read from verse 21 into verse 20. 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 21, 22. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Next verse. For as in Adam all die. In Adam what? All die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So there was nothing humanity could have done. Because of what Adam did, everybody was condemned. Everybody was made a sinner. Everybody was judged and condemned. Because of what Adam did. Please you understand. That's the first kind of imputation. The first kind of accounting that God did. Is to account to every man's bank account. The sin of Adam. Because Adam was the corporate head. Or the federal head of the first creation. Which everyone born of a woman was part of. If you are born of a woman. You are part of that particular creation. Okay. All right, so the second type of imputation, number two, imputation number two, is the imputation of the sin of Adam or the human race. Hmm? The imputation of the sin of Adam or the human race, because Adam's sin is the human race's sin, isn't it? I just showed it to you. The imputation of the sin of Adam or the human race upon Jesus Christ. Upon Jesus Christ. Upon Jesus Christ. Into bracket, the last Adam. The last Adam. The imputation of the sin of Adam or the human race upon Jesus Christ or the last Adam. So, when Jesus was born, Jesus was born of a woman, isn't it? But not born of a man. So, Jesus' conception was not by the sperm of a man. It was by the sperm of the seed of God. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Mary was impregnated by the Holy Ghost. So the seed that Mary was carrying was actually the seed of God. As to how God did it, I don't know. All I know is that it was done. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So Mary was found a child, but the child was not for Joseph. Joseph knew. Mary knew. Because Mary was visited by an angel and told that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and you shall conceive a child. And that was what happened. She conceived. If God, you believe God created man, then God can impregnate a woman. And that's not difficult to do. He can impregnate a woman very, very easily. So Jesus did not have the blood. You see, the Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Okay? The life of the flesh is in the blood. And without, the sperm is the life force of humanity. The sperm of a man is the life. Without the sperm of a man, you can't have a child. No matter how potent your, 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 your eggs are, if it has not met a sperm, no child is coming. The life of a child comes from the sperm. Hallelujah. So, the life force of man, humanity, comes from man. Okay? But the life force that Jesus had, was not from a man. The life force he had was from God. All the woman does is to provide a covering for the to all of us. Our covering or our bodies came from our mothers, if you like. But the life, the blood, the life force, what animates you, that life comes from man. Okay? Uh-huh. But Jesus' son did not come from a man. He came from God. So Jesus was different. It's called the incarnation. Okay? He was, he was different. It was the word of God. He was the word of God. God spoke a word, and that word became sperm that fertilized Mary's egg and created a human being called Jesus Christ. I read it to you. John chapter 1 verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh. The word became, it changed and became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And his name was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So as Jesus was walking around, Jesus was a man without sin. Jesus said, the body has thou provided unto me. Okay? 
you have prepared a body for me. Jesus was a sinless man. He was without sin. What type of sin? The sin that Adam committed. Because he was not from Adam, he was not, he did not have the sin, he didn't have that sin imputed or accounted to him from birth. Everyone who is born of Adam has that imputed to him or accounted to him from birth. So that person cannot save us. He can't say, how can someone who is not correct save someone who is not correct? No, it doesn't work. You need something that is correct to save something that is not correct. Isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. So, Jesus was prepared by God to carry as a vessel that to carry the sin of man. And he is called the last Adam. So out of the first man, okay, there are two men who are very important in that particular series of men. Anyone who is born of a woman is part of that particular series of men. The first of them is Adam. He's called the first Adam. Then there's a last one. Or a termination of that particular series. <laughs> Someone has come to terminate it. There's a termination. You can call him Terminator. Eh? The terminator of this particular series of men is Jesus Christ. And he's called the last Adam. Okay? It's called what? The last Adam. The la- you can find it. All, all I'm saying is in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. It says, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam. You see, the first Adam and last Adam. Who is the last Adam? The last Adam is Jesus Christ. It says, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening, a life-giving spirit. So, Adam was a living soul. But Jesus was a life-giving spirit. He can give life. So while Jesus was alive, he could give life. But the way for him to give the life was for him to die so that that life can be given to others. Hallelujah. Are you saying it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So yes, he's, he's, he's Adam, but his type of Adam is because of how he was born. So Jesus, as he was moving around, if you read in John chapter 1 verse 29, look at John chapter 1 verse 29. John 1 29. The next day, John said Jesus, John the Baptist, John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He said, Jesus come unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How is it? Jesus, he described Jesus as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So Jesus was prepared because he was not from the seed of Adam, but from the seed of God. He was a vessel that could carry the seed of Adam and terminate the seed of Adam or terminate the sin of Adam. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So he says, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That was why he came. He came to come and take the sin of the world away. And I described it to you last week. Okay? Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. So many, were, so many scriptures along this line. It's so beautiful. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he has made him to be sin for us. Who is this talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He says he has made Jesus to be sin. Jesus was made the very embodiment, the very epitome of sin. He could carry sin because he had a body that could carry sin. So God reversed all the sin of Adam that he committed in the Garden of Eden, which included every one of us. He reverted all of that sin into Christ, or he imputed everything to Christ's account. Everything, not some, everything. Romans chapter, chapter 8, verse 3. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was, it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. You get it? He was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. That is why he was sent. He was sent to come and carry the sin of humanity. He was the only one who could carry it. Condemn sin in the flesh. He could carry sin. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Look at First Peter 2, 24. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing. It's so beautiful. If you agree with Adam's own, you should agree with the last Adam's own, Jesus Christ. You should, you should just agree. How many of you agree? If you really agree, you'll not be born again. The way to be born again is to agree. I'm just trying to help your understanding of what has happened. So that when you're moving around, you don't think that, Charlie, I'm a sinner. You are not a sinner. By virtue of what Christ has done, sin has been condemned in Christ once and for all. Never to be condemned again. Never to be judged again. Just as... You see, Adam, when Adam did the wrong, nobody could go to court with God and say that, listen, I'm not the one who did it, so you can't impute that to me. You couldn't say that, isn't it? Same thing now, every sin has been imputed to Christ and dealt with Christ has died with the sin and condemned the sin in his flesh. 
So the devil cannot go to court and say, hey, Ella is a bad girl. Or Egria is a bad girl. You can't, you can't say that. He can't say that. Why? Because it has been condemned. Someone has carried, it has been imputed. What was imputed to Adam and hence to all of humanity has been imputed to Christ, an innocent soul. And he has died and been judged for what Adam did. So, where is the space for imputation again? That 10,000 Ghana cities has been paid for. The 10,000 Ghana cities that humanity owed has been paid for. So, if you go into the account, there's there's zero. So, you are not owing. And after it's getting to zero, he now gives you one billion dollars into your account. That's the next imputation. The next imputation is the credit, crediting of Christ as our righteousness to our account. It's amazing. He says, who his own self, he's talking about Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Eh? Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He bear our sins on the tree. That is on the cross. So that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. We being dead to sin. So now, as a child of God, if you accepted Jesus Christ, you are now dead completely to sin. That is why in Romans chapter 6 verse 11, it says, Likewise, ye also reckon yourselves, likewise reckon yourselves indeed, eh? reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Why are you dead indeed unto sin? Because Christ died unto sin. Go back to First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 where we're reading. Who his own self, Christ's own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Why did he do it? So that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. We live unto righteousness now. We are dead unto sin. We are alive unto God. So he says you to account. Put it to your account. It's, it's your responsibility. You now put it to your account. That it is true. What Christ did is true. And I accept it. I believe it. I love it. Yeah. Let's look at some more scriptures. Luke chapter 22 verse 37. Jesus prophesied it himself as to what he was going to do. Okay? For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. This is Jesus talking. If you have a good Bible, you see that it's in red. Do you have a good Bible? It's in red, isn't it? Meaning that it's Jesus' words. Jesus' words are written in red and his works are written in black in the Gospels. All his works are written in black. All his words are written in red. For I see unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned. He was what? What is reckoned? Imputed. He was accounted among the transgressors. Now, what he's saying here is not that he was put part of the, as part of the transgressors. No. All the transgressions of the transgressors was accounted to him. That's what he's saying. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. That's what Jesus said. And this scripture is written in Isaiah chapter 53. Look at it. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. Isaiah 53, verse 12. So beautiful. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. You know, Isaiah 53 talks about the sufferings of Christ and what he did. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spell with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered. The word numbered there is accounted. It's the same word for imputation. He was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. That was what Jesus did. So what was imputed to us was also imputed to Christ. For what purpose? So that we can be free. Simple mathematics. Just understand and you'll be fine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, one last scripture. And then we'll go to the next one. Second Corinthians 5 verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not what? Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Why not? Why was he not imputing their trespasses unto them? Because Jesus had been, it had been imputed unto. So right now, it is not being imputed. The whole world, Jesus has taken the sins of the world though. Everybody, including those who are not born again. 
Only that they don't know. That's what we have been sent to tell them. So we have a very big work to do. Which is more important than banking. And more important than marrying. And more important than Barclays Bank. More important than the doctor's job. We have a responsibility of telling the world that brother, your sin has been paid a long time ago. Someone has been imputed with your foolishness. Long ago. He has been beaten, killed, and gone to hell for you. So you are free. Can you imagine? We just have to announce freedom. To it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Not, so God's job now is reconciliation. God's interest now is reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Friendship. God wants friendship with the world. Not charging them. You are owing me. You sin against me. You will see. He says, not inducing your trespass unto them. And has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He said, he's not imputing their trespass unto them. Why? Even chapter 2 verse 9. Because someone has taken it. I showed you, right? But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the sufferings of death. Crowned with glory and honor. That by the grace of God he should taste death for every man. So he tasted death for every man. So you don't need to die. What kind of death? Eternal death. There are different kinds of death. There are three types of deaths. There's physical death. There's spiritual death. And there's eternal death. Okay? You cannot die physically unless you are, die, you are dead spiritually. So when God told Adam that if you partake of this fruit, the day you shall eat of this fruit, you shall die. In that same day you shall die. In dying you shall die. When Adam partook of the fruit, did you see him dying that same day? Adam did not die. He was still standing and moving around. But he had died spiritually. God was talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God. Eternal death is eternal separation from God. You cannot die eternally unless you are dead spiritually. Are you getting it? And you cannot die physically unless you are dead spiritually. So spiritual death is what brings physical death and brings eternal death. So Adam died physically after 939 years. 30, right? 930 years. After partaking of the fruits, 930 years later, he died. His age was counted from the day he partook of the fruit. Before he partook of the fruit, he was ageless. He was ageless. Because Adam was not born as a baby. Adam was made as a full-grown man. Possibly 30-year-old 30, 30 man or 33-year-old man. But his age was counted from the day he partook of the fruit. That was when his days started. You see, the days you grow to die. Stop celebrating birthday like you have something wrong with you. You are actually dying. You should know. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying. When is your birthday? You just do a big party with so many people. You say, I do photo shoot. You are dying small, small. That's what it means. Yeah. Every time Adam was celebrating his birthday, he was just dying like that. It, it was a countdown to his grave. Yeah. But because of Christ's death, death, spiritual death, which is the seat for physical death and eternal death, was taken away. Christ died and took away death. He tasted death. What kind of death? Spiritual death and eternal death and physical death. Do you understand? He took all of that because he, he attacked spiritual death so that physical death can be taken care of. So you don't need to die physically, actually. And you won't die eternally. That is why now he has brought eternal life. Instead of eternal death, he has brought eternal life to us. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 9. Verse 10. Let's read from here into verse 10. Who has saved us? He's talking about Christ. It's Christ who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Next verse. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Have you seen it? He has what? So Christ came to abolish death. He has abolished death. You don't need to die anymore. Who has abolished death and has brought life. And immortality to light through the gospel. He has brought to light life. He has, he has brought life and immortality. 
What is immortality? Did you ever watch Highlander before? Did you ever watch Highlander? How many of you watch Highlander? Charlie. Charlie. You are not children. You are not children. Highlander. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's a, it's a recommendation. It's a requirement. The girl is not dying. There were immortal beings around. If he kills another immortal being with a special sword, his soul is transferred to him. And he lives longer. Very interesting concept. Don't kill anybody for a long life. Yeah, it's something that is there physically. Do you know it's something that is there spiritually even? You kill someone for extension of your life. So there are some families who say that this woman has not, she's so old. She's hundred and something, she's not dying, but all the young people are dying. They say she has been sacrificing their life for her life. <laughs> Christ brought immortality. He abolished death. Say he abolished death. This is too good news. It's too good to be true news. I don't need to die. It means that nothing can kill me. No disease, no, no accident, nothing can kill me. There was this man in Takade. He was a, he was a serious man of God. He's, he's passed on now. Passed on at a good old age. Who believed in this thing so much? He believed in immortality so much that he had an accident one day. And the car was smashed like a milk tin. You smash a milk tin. It was smashed. It became flat. No human being could survive inside. He managed to come out without even a scratch on his face. Even his shirt was not crumbled. He came out. Hallelujah. <laughs> you must believe in immortality. I don't, lie, I don't die like a chicken. Say, I don't die like a chicken. No plane crash can kill me. No car crash can kill me. I will not die in the sea. I will not die in the air. I refuse it in Jesus' name. Yeah. That's what Christ did. Okay? So it was imputed to him. So he would taste death and take away sin for all of us. Isn't it not beautiful? See, I'm not a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Number three. Imputation number three. The imputation of Christ. The imputation of Christ to the human race as our righteousness. The imputation of Christ to the human race as our righteousness. The imputation of Christ to the human race as our righteousness. Hallelujah. So Christ, not Christ's righteousness. Okay? I didn't say the imputation of Christ's righteousness as our righteousness. I said the imputation of Christ himself, the person. Not his works. But the person. Yes. The person himself, the full person. As our righteousness. So just as sin was, you see, you didn't do anything to, not you, now you are born again. I'm just saying it for saying sake. Okay? Humanity did not do anything to receive sin, to become sinners. You now you realize that sin was working in you. You get it? Now that you are born again, it's different. But before you were born again, it was easy to steal. Right now, when you steal, you have conscience, like your conscience will prick you. Yeah, when you open your leg for somebody, you realize that your conscience is pricking you. As a child of God, you realize that, hey, but before I mean I mean it's nothing freestyle you you are the sponsor you go oh do you want <laughs> you want you like you just lift your hand yeah arm robbers don't have a problem with arm robbery they don't have a conscience there's nothing yes what are you talking about their conscience are dead it's dead completely it's normal, it's natural. It's the natural product of what is inside them, which is sin. Okay? And you, they didn't force themselves to get it. They got it at birth. <laughs> they got it at birth. Same thing. Now that you are born again, Christ, Jesus, 
and his person has been imputed, has been put into your account as your righteousness. So your righteousness is a person called Jesus. Who can never fail? <laughs> if it was his righteousness that was imputed onto our righteousness, that would have been good because when he was around, when he was alive, the Bible says he did no sin, isn't it? Second Corinthians five twenty one. For he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? He knew no sin. So even in his life, he was righteous, isn't it? In his conduct, but it's not his conduct that has imputed unto us. It is he himself. As the person. So, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. For of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us. For of him are ye in Christ, Jesus, who of God is made unto us. Wisdom and righteousness. And sanctification and redemption. He's been made, he has been made righteousness unto us. So, my righteousness is not a man walking on earth. My righteousness is a man who is sitting in the heavenlies. Far above all principalities and powers. On the right hand of God the Father. That is my righteousness. Not a man, not the one who walked on earth. The one who has died and resurrected and has gone to heaven. He is the one who is my righteousness. Where he is, there is no sin. You see, in Hebrews chapter, in Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says that he was tempted. Hebrews chapter 4, verse, verse 14. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Okay, 15 now. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. This was when he was alive. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. This was when he was alive. This was his conduct. But he's not, he's not even talking about that one. This is very good. But not this one. He's talking about the one who died. The glorified Christ is our righteous. Hey, what a shock. So your righteousness cannot be tempered with. That is what has been imputed to our account. Not your works. Oh no. Share your works there. Ask for your works there. Haven't you realized you've been failing? Oh. God, if God were looking at you, he would have balanced your books with another thing altogether. But he knew that you will have problems. So he said, okay. My son who has died, resurrected, and ascended is now imputed to your account as your righteousness. I mean, what is nicer than this? So there's nothing that I can do. You see, that is why no matter what has happened around you, you should never want to leave God. The reason why God did it like that is because he doesn't want you to leave him. And he doesn't want you to lose your confidence. Don't say, oh, I did this so I can't pray for you. I did this so I can't work for the Lord. No. Ask for working for the Lord and doing what God wants you to do. Never extract yourself out of it. Do you understand? Sometimes, I know some people who are not in ministry because of masturbation and pornography and all those things. Yeah, because they didn't understand this, what I'm telling you now. Whether masturbation, pornography, or whatever. Ask for working for the Lord. I will do them. Because my righteousness, what qualifies me to be with God? It's not my actions. Yes, I have problems. That one will deal with it. There's something we'll do to heal you, to cure you of whatever it is. But we are not talking about that now. We are talking about who makes you have the ability, the strength to stand before God without any sense of guilt or of condemnation or inferiority or of thinking twice. He's called Christ. Or else nobody can serve God. Nobody can serve God. Because even your mere looks. Your mere looks. Somebody says, oh, me, I don't have pornography, whatever problem. You too, your problem is that you don't have that problem. Yeah. Your mere looks, your mere speech, your mere thoughts, your pride, your respectability, your self-righteousness is giving you problems. Yeah. So all of us are in the same category. But because of Christ, we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. We are in Christ. So Christ is all and in all. There's nobody found anywhere. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Romans eleven thirty-six. Yes, Romans eleven thirty-six. For of him, of God are all things. It's for of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Where are you in the equation? He says, for of God, or everything originates from God. 
And everything says, and through him, all things go through him. And to him are all things. All things are not some things. Your life is from him. Your life is going through him. Your life terminates in him. He sees all and you know, he's everything. So there's no you anywhere. So stop thinking about yourself. The more you focus on him, okay, the more your natural problems fall off. Eight or four. Just focus on him. That is what you are refusing to do. You are not focusing on If you focus on him as your righteousness, your love for him will increase. And you realize that you don't have space in your brain. You don't have time to do certain things. That is why he says in Romans chapter 6 verse 11. Never forget Romans chapter 6 verse 11. Let's read from verse 5 so that we understand. Romans chapter 6 from verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, if we have been planted in the likeness of Christ's death, if when Christ died, we died with him, because we did, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Look at Ephesians 2, 6. Let's read from verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in sin, has he made us... Let's read Amplified. We don't understand. Quickly near the other end. We don't understand. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he... God made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. The same new life with, with which you quickened him. For it is by grace, his favor and mercy with which you did not deserve that you are saved. Delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Do you understand? I think it's English. I've gone to school. It's English, basically. When we're dead in sins, he made us alive. He brought us back to life. We were dead in sins and he brought us to life in Christ. Next verse. Then it says, and he has raised us up together with him and made us sit together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed. Not by virtue of our strength or by virtue of our wisdom or by virtue of our beauty. You can't be beautiful, so beautiful that God will look at you and say, ah, now beautiful chick this. Come, you are my righteousness, okay? We would have been in trouble. Some people would not have qualified. Some people would not have qualified. Yeah. And you know yourself. You may be beautiful in face, but your character is not beautiful at all. God will be shocked when he breaks you because of your face. And then you say, hello. He will say, hey, hey it's okay. Go back. It's because of Christ. Look at verse 8. Jump to verse 8. Jump to verse 8. For by grace... Are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves? It's not you are not inside anywhere. It's God. Says God. God. It's God's work. So all you need to do is to focus on the fact that this is God's work. He says, if we are planted in the likeness of His death, go back there. We shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. This one says we shall be also. The Amplified says we shall look at the Amplified. It almost looks like it's futuristic. For if we have become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. Okay? This one even doesn't even bring it out well. He talks about the fact that we should live in the resurrection. I'm, I'm sure probably, let's see the message, what the message also say. Each of us is raised into a, a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we are going in our new grace, sovereign country. And now he says what? Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So it's still futuristic. Huh. Powerful. Go to verse 6. King James, please. The Passion Version. What does the Passion Version say? For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection life like his and the new life that he, it imparts. Wow. So he's talking about the resurrection life and the new life that we have now. It says, let's live in the newness of life. Okay? Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Someone read this and said he has had a revelation. He came to church and said, ah, Pastor, a new revelation. Then the pastor asked him, what revelation is that? He says, I know Paul's father now. I know Paul's father. Oh, so who was Paul's father? He said, do you remember the guy who was crucified with Jesus on the cross? One of the thieves. The one who was on the right. The one who said that uh, he should remember him in paradise. Yeah. That guy, his false father. Then the pastor said, ah, where did you get that revelation from? Then he quoted the scripture. Knowing this, that our old man, 
is the way we call our fathers my old man. They thought that Paul was talking about his father as the old man. Old boy. <laughs> what a shock. Knowing this, that our old man, our old man, say our old man. He's talking about our old nature of sin. Our old man is crucified with him, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. I preached about the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Sometime ago, and I use the scripture for probably should look for the message. Next verse. For he that is dead is freed from what? Are you dead? How did you die? In Christ. He that is dead is freed from sin. See, I'm free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Next verse. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. This is what Christ did. It says, in that he died, he died unto sin once. Did he die? He died unto sin once. Is he alive now? He's alive. What's he alive for? He's alive unto God. Then it says, you too, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Just like Christ died unto sin and is now alive unto God. He says, you too, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What it means is that now, have you seen a dead body before? If someone was owing you and the person died, can you collect your money back from the person? You can slap the person, you can kick the person, you can take the person to the police station. You can even the police will, will, will sack you. You can't bring that body into the police station like that and say that he was owing me a million dollars. You must collect the money for me. Jail him. Take him to court. Dead man, be dead man. Dead good syndrome. Do you know dead good syndrome? <laughs> So what he's saying is that sin, you are dead unto sin. What does it mean? Sin cannot take money from you anymore. You cannot respond to sin. Do <gasps> you understand know what I'm saying? It's likewise you to reckon yourselves now to be dead indeed unto sin. You are now only alive unto God. You only <laughs> you are alive. So when I talk to you, talk to me back, isn't it? Yeah. You can only respond to God. You cannot respond to sin. You can now respond to God. This is the cure for your foolishness. Reckon. Put it to your account that I can only respond to God. I don't respond. I agree with this accounting that I can only respond to God and not to sin. Is it a good message? Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about Abraham some other time. But if you read in Romans chapter 4, you see how Abraham is a classical example of imputation of righteousness by virtue of his believing, not by virtue of anything. All he did was to believe. How many of you know Abraham? How many of you have met him before? <laughs> how many of you have read about Abraham in the Bible? You realize that Abraham was not correct. But because he believed in God, God imputed, God accounted, put it to his account. He was spiritually bankrupt. You know bankruptcy? He, he was owing negative. He was spiritually bankrupt. But God gave him righteousness. So Romans chapter 4 verse 3 says, For what's here the scripture? Abraham believed God. And it was what? It was counted unto him for righteousness. That's all. Then he says, if, Abraham, if this happened to Abraham, then you should believe what God has also done in our case. If Abraham believed and he was accounted, it was accounted unto him for righteousness, then how much more you who has also believed in Christ? It, can also, it is also accounted to you for righteousness. Do you understand? Go to your next verse. Probably I should read everything for you to see. I read it earlier. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you, if you receive righteousness or you receive something because you work for it, then it is not grace, it's not favor, it is what? It is work. You work, then they are giving you back your pay. Isn't it? So if it says, now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace. The reward is not accounted by virtue of grace. 
But it is a debt that is owed to the person. That is why it is being given to the person. Abraham did not work for his righteousness. Abraham believed and it was given to him as a grace from God. Do you understand? So there's nothing you can do in God to merit righteousness. There's nothing you can do on your own. Your righteousness is not based on your works. Please, don't even try it. You are on the level you you are on because you always think that you will be right with God when you do right. That is why when you come to church and you've not done anything wrong during the whole week. Your confidence is very high. I realize your confidence is very, very high. When they say lift up your hands, hala shuka. Your tongue speaking is different. Mola Shala hata. Hata hata hata. Speak in tongues with all kinds of, of power. But when something has happened during the week, it says, let's begin to blast in tongues. You say, Mola. Mola mola. Mola 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 mola. Lord. Oh God. Why, Lord? A sinner like me. God is trying to tell you, stop like stop that foolishness. It is Jimmy. Whether something good happened during the week or something bad happened during the week makes no difference. Your qualification to talk to God and speak in tongues is not based on your actions. It's based on God. It's based on Christ who is your righteousness. Who you believed in. And hence was reckoned unto you for righteousness. Was imputed unto you for righteousness. Was accounted to your account for righteousness. As simple as that. I say it. So Abraham is used as an example for us. So that we can believe. Next verse. Look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth. The one who does not work, but believeth on him that justified. Next week I'll talk about justification. To him that justified the ungodly. He justified who? He justified who? He justified who? So stop thinking that God is a bad God. He justifies, he declares not guilty the ungodly, not the godly. The ungodly. He justifies the ungodly, not the godly. He justifies the ungodly. How much more you now that you are in Christ? Because you do something wrong, God will not mind you. What are you talking about? He showed you what to do. If you sin, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive. He is faithful and he's just to forgive. And then also to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because you are, you are thinking that God is angry like, this thing that I've done, ask for this one. God, bye-bye. Bye-bye, see you. Bye, God. Bye-bye, God. Bye-bye, God. No, God is not doing bye-bye. God is not ready to wave you bye-bye. You will lose some rewards, yes. You will lose because whatever you were using your time to do. If you were stealing something at that time, you could have used that time that you were using to steal to win a soul or to be raising someone in the Lord, to be talking to someone to become born again. But that, you were stealing, right? You were stealing. So the time that you spend stealing is what you are going to lose. Ashiego, you will not get any reward for that time. Do you understand? Apart from that, you have opened yourself up for some demons who also work to keep you on that path of foolishness that you are on now. We cancel it in Jesus' name. Do you understand? Uh, when you use people, for example, you have to cancel it because you never know. Uh, we are prophesying, so sometimes you say something and then it starts happening in the person's life. Uh, so we, if you, we cancel it in Jesus' name. You will not say anybody's thing in Jesus' name. That is why you don't have to go along the line of sinning. Because sin, it opens you up to foolishness. You understand? Uh-huh. All you need to do is to continue. It says, likewise, reckon ye yourselves also to be dead indeed. Now to him that worketh. Eh? Go back to chapter 4, right? We're reading chapter 4. Verse 5. That's my last verse. I won't continue. The rest you can read it for yourself. But also not close. But to him that worketh not, the one who does not work, but all he does is what? Believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that for God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died. Jesus did not die for godly people. He died for sinners. How much more now that you have come and believed in him? How do you think God sees you? You have not been fair to God. 
I have not been fair to God. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith, because believing is faith, his faith is reckoned, accounted, put to his account, imputed to him for righteousness. And that is what happened to us. Because we believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, Christ himself is imputed to us, to account as righteousness. That's imputation in a nutshell. Do you understand it? Stand up on your feet and just thank God for all that he has done for the beautiful story of salvation. And thank him for the in-depth understanding that he's given you into these beautiful things. Thank you, Father. We are grateful and we are thankful. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.